everybody. Welcome to the Technology Leaders Podcast. I'm Jordan, your host. I'm joined by Mark Simon, my co-host, who's the Vice President of Strategy at Saligo, as well as our guest, Paul Tedford. He's the CEO of Synergy Resources. Paul, fantastic to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Um, figured we could jump right in. Uh, I, I was hoping, Paul, you could tell us a little bit about your story. Um, seems like you've had a pretty storied career in terms of ERP, manufacturing, and software. Um, kind of Where'd you start and how'd you get to where you are today? Uh, great question, Jordan, and thanks for having me on, Mark and Jordan. Uh, so I'll go back to the college days. I went to college and I thought I was gonna be a veterinarian. So I'm not sure how many people start as a veterinarian and end up in technology, but I was one of them. So um, during college, I had to put myself, you know, work about 40 hours a week. So my sophomore, junior and senior year, I worked at two manufacturing companies, uh, one that made in-ground pool liners, and they had all Apple uh, Macintosh computers. And back then, there was no web-based ERP. So we wrote um, an ERP on Cloud of the Pro um, that was in-house. And then uh, my dad's company, he was controller of a can company that have since moved over to China. Um, but they, I worked on the shop floor uh, for him, um, made a few mistakes in the shop floor, especially with a forklift one time. Uh, but uh, increase their cost of goods. Um, so uh, and then uh, he had me help with the five and a quarter inch floppy drives in the winter to set up his MIS system. So my background is is coming from college, not knowing what I wanted to do, getting really interested in technology, and then right out of college, Lily Software, um, who's the producers of Visual ERP, hired me in tech support, and since then I've been in every role from consulting, migrations, database administrations demos, VP of sales. And right before COVID uh, started, I got to be a CEO. And uh, that's that's really my journey right there, Jordan and Mark. That's, a, that's yeah. awesome. From, yeah. from pets to manufacturing all the way to the CEO. Go ahead, yeah. Mark, didn't mean to cut <laughs> that, that's That's a, a, a funny story, Paul. So my, my takeaway there is that we need to keep you away from heavy equipment uh, and focus <laughs> on the, uh, the systems and, and, and business processes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm not the best driver in the world, to put it that way. <laughs> I'm sure your dad has never let you let uh, forget that one very specific uh, incident no, or mistake. Especially if since he was the cost controller. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into building? I mean, obviously, you were in manufacturing and someone said, hey, could we build XYZ on software? How did you get into the, the computer side of things, if you will? Because most veterinarian slash manufacturers are not also software developers. Right. So... I quickly realized that it wasn't it wasn't just you know being a veterinarian that was tough for me. It was the extra schooling. I was putting myself through school, so I felt like I had to get out as quick as possible. And um, I started taking the Microsoft certification courses while at college, and I really liked that. And then plus working with uh, the Macintosh FileMaker Pro, doing 3D CAD design for this in-ground pool liner. They retrofit um, pool liners for granite pools that were cracked. And that's where I just decided, hey, I just love technology. It's it's so fun what you can do with databases, mm -hmm. uh, how you can automate things inside of a company's four walls, and how it touches everybody in the company. Um, and then I fell in love with manufacturing because the people in manufacturing are just great. So you marry the 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 people that are just get building stuff that is really cool with technology that is also pretty cool. And that's that's really where I started tech um, in technology. Now before that. I was one of the classic kids when Commodore 64s came out way back in the day. They used to take them apart, put them together, IBMs, take them apart, put them together, and was the 
IT resource for the whole town in Newton, New Hampshire, which only has about 400 people in it, so it's not that great. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. My love of computers is, is is really came from that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, so it's it just when you say take them apart and put them together again, it, it just reminds me when I was a kid, I would do something that my dad called smash apart, where our neighbor would give us like old VCRs or TVs, and I would smash them with a hammer and I would never put them back together again. That's probably why I'm the social media manager and not the CEO of a technology company. It's kind of all coming together now. I, I get it. Um, well, I, this, so, seems be, this seems to be a common trait though. That, that That's, that's one thing that, that I've learned is this should be like in like technology, this should be like a, a technology role interview question around, okay, when you were a kid, if there was a broken uh, device, what did you do? And and the right. answer to that is like a, is is insight into their character and, and tells you whether they're going to be an engineer or not. So, I, because I, I was one of those kids that if okay there was a broken radio, I had to take it apart, unscrew it, take all the pieces, try to figure out how it worked. Right. Uh, that that totally resonates. So I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to how to reuse this concept somewhere. Right. But Jordan, awesome. I love to smash some of my um, kids' screens when they're on it too much. So I'm with you. <laughs> that's awesome um okay well let's switch gears away from uh old technology let's talk about uh new technology um you're in the the erp implementation world um we discussed a little bit before this um and i'm mark apologies i'm gonna kind of uh base this question off of one of your questions but technology nowadays makes things super easy and super seamless on the flip side of that erp implementation is really challenging and i'm kind of curious like, why is it so hard? Why does it go wrong? What are people missing? And perhaps in what way does Synergy Resources help mitigate those challenges uh, for your customers? Sure. So um, what we see is goes wrong. The first thing that goes wrong is when, you know, people are looking at an ERP and they decide to write down sometimes every single thing that they do now and all the things that they want. Um, and then, or if they go to a, you know, sometimes to a third party, you know, what do I look for in an ERP? But what you really want to focus on is the four or five critical things that's going to help you grow your company or reach the goals that you have of a company. Um, so every every ERP system out there has order entry. Everyone has AR, everyone has AP, but not all of them have, you know, the right platform for integrations, right? Not all of them have the right solution for a sketch in the shop floor or material planning or inventory management that you need to reach your goals. So really it's focus on those key critical things is the first thing. Um, the second thing is making sure that you are a company that's ready to change. There's so many times where there's somebody um, that's new to ERP, they get into it and they're like, wow, this is touching every part of my company, every department, every employee at some point. And um, I really like my QuickBooks still. So I want to keep using QuickBooks. And uh, what you really need to do is make sure that you get buy-in from the whole whole company or at least the key stakeholders in the company. Um, and then you have executive that says, we're going to do this. This is an executive sponsor and, it's, and they're going to do this. So there's more to it. I don't want to go too long-winded, but those are two of the first things that you want to look at when you first consider looking at an ERP. And there's probably about four or five other things after that that would provide some value to people that are thinking about ERP. Yeah. Paul, you're bringing up some really good things there. 
And uh, but taking this to the very top level of an organization, do you think do you think a company can be successful? Um, any size company can be sex- successful implementing an ERP if they don't have the full and complete commitment uh, of the, the CEO um, and a board if there is one behind that initiative. You need to have some, I 100%, you have to have somebody that's going to do it. Sometimes I've seen it's um, another C-level executive or a VP that is getting behind it and really driving it um, or, or controllers. Sometimes you'll see that, but you really have to have somebody in an executive role that's behind that person, even if they're not involved every day, that's saying this is going to get done. And that person is driving it based on. I'm sorry, guys, the power just went out here. Can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. We can hear you. Sorry about that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, and and from my experience with the RP implementation, uh, over about eight or ten years, was that it was exactly that that I, I and I got into this habit of actually telling uh, clients during the sales. I was like. If, if they hadn't been through an ERP implementation before, I, I would say, hey, this is the hardest thing that your company will probably ever go through or has gone, will have gone through to date. And uh, it, 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 people that, that kind of were, I was thinking weren't ready, it often shook them up a little bit. And it, it was like, oh, and they, they kind of thinking like, well, this is just another project and it's not another project. It's a, it's a commitment on a whole other level, right? It absolutely is. I, I kind of sometimes you think about, hey, I'm going to put a new pool in my backyard. And that's a project, right? Whoever's doing that is a project. They're going to have somebody that digs the hole. There's going to be somebody that pours the the um, the hopper. There's going to be a, somebody that puts the patio around it, right? And that's a big project. And you're like, wow, that's a big project. But there's going to be something great at the end of it. I'm going to go be go swim with my kids. And I bring the input's going to come over and help my kids, right? With an ERP project, it's a little bit different because you're going to work with a company like us that are experts in best practices, that the processes that you need, the data migration and things of that nature and project management. However, you still need to work because unlike a pool where the pool manufacturer has all the ex- the pool person that's been in the pool in the backyard has all the expertise, we don't know everything about your company and we're not going to know exactly how to clean your data, uh, which customers you want to bring forward. The vendors that come forward we have to work with you side by side um walk with you side by side uh, with those best practices but also really have their expertise about their company to help us give them the best result at the end so it's a commitment on both sides it's just not hey i'm going to pay a bunch of money and it's going to come out perfect on the other side like a pool might come out so i'm not sure if it's a good analogy but i always think that it's it's more like raising a kid where you you gotta everybody has to be involved in it right uh then then um then a, that's something you're gonna just pay money towards and be done so it is difficult because you have your day job you gotta you have to keep doing everything you're doing now and then you have to give two hours a day or two hours some days six hours one day and then maybe nothing the next week but there's there's a lot of commitment of time and effort into to having an erp project be successful yeah, I think you're. I I think that's a good analogy and, and, and way to look at it. Uh, yeah, it, it can't be something that your uh, the ERP team comes in, meets with everybody mm-hmm. for a couple days or a couple weeks, disappears, and then a few months later comes back and lobs something over the wall because that's right. inevitably 
not going to have a good good result if even yeah. if it does line up uh with the needs and, and most likely that approach doesn't it's does it does how it's not adopted it's not a it's it's not co-created with mm -hmm. the the end users of of the system which I, it, what i've seen is, is actually critical for for erp especially but really any system absolutely so this this kind of drives an interesting point because mark you've dealt with quite a few implementations in your day and and paul you have too um mark i know you weren't necessarily on the sales side of things um that being said in a way you still did sell erp implementations and paul uh the other past week I've, I've looked at your linkedin and i saw that you were on the sales side of things congrats on hitting your quota all those years i saw that as well on your linkedin um how do you how do you sell such a huge project because like you said this isn't like hey do you want to pool this is like hey i'm going to do a frame off restoration on your entire house um and your backyard and your garage and your front yard uh, right. how do you position an ERP implementation, something that can go wrong, something that is so hard, something that's all encompassing. How do you get people to kind of sign on and, and you know, reap the benefits of, of such software? Yeah, so when you're going through uh, analysis, it usually at some point somebody says, oh my God, these spreadsheets are killing me. I can't, I can't keep using spreadsheets to manage my inventory, manage my bill of material, manage my revision control et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the shop floor scheduling. So then they then they reach out, um, either they have an ERP already that's not doing what they want, or they, again, they have the spreadsheet. So the, they come to us and what we try to do is really understand the business objectives. Um, is efficiency and, you know, being able to do everything they do now and get um, metrics and, and business dashboards and things like that and all clean data, is that gonna give them enough just to have efficiency in dashboards if there's going to be an ROI in the project, right? Um, usually there's more than that. Usually they want to either increase their on-time delivery while decreasing their lead time, while maybe decreasing costs, like whether it's scrap or a rework or something of that nature, that there's going to have a tangible benefit outside of efficiency and outside of um, just you know having dashboards with clean data in it. So those things are great you need those to run a company but usually there's something else that's in there so what we try to do is figure out what that is work with a company have them talk to clients that have implemented with us um, that have the same problems that they have that are in a similar industry interesting interesting sorry you cut you cut out for a sec but now you're back keep going um so that's that's what we try to do in the in the beginning is make sure that they they, they understand what the, the value is going to be and then we'll actually do demos of the software. So we'll walk them through those key objectives in the software, show them, you know, what their end users will be doing, show them how they're going to get, you know, the, the um, results that they're looking for. And then, um, and we sell multiple ERPs. So when we're doing this, we're also not just selling what we have in our bag, right? We're saying what is going to be the best solution for you. And then at the end, once they realize that, hey, this is going to help, then we look at, okay, what's the process to get you live? And then maybe do continuous improvement from then on out. So we'll, um, we'll walk them through our imp implementation methodology. We'll walk them through the team that they need from their side, the team that we'll be bringing to the table, our, all of our experts. And that's really where our magic is, is, is the expertise that our consultants have. Um, you know, I'm talking on the screen, but the success of Synergy is, you know, all of the consultants that work every day 
with our customers. And they're usually have about 16, 17 years of experience. They're either COOs, VPs of operations, lean experts, Six Sigma black belts, Jonas. Um, so they're walking them through what that implementation is going to look like, um, meet, meeting our implementation team, and then again, talking to those references. And that's the process in a nutshell um, of how, how it ends up working out um, and getting that trust from the, the customer. So. Paul, you just mentioned something. Uh, it actually came up a few times already. Uh, lean uh, Six Sigma processes and in, in the way of looking about those, the, the the way you know philosophical approach to those business processes. How where where does that business process focus? Where does that come into play with an ER, ERP implementation? How how like, where's that, fit? you know, as far as importance, order, uh, I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah, great question. We, um, about eight years ago, we, we realized that we have application consultants, we have the software, we have the technical consultants, but one thing, and some of them would um, love to get into process re-engineering with the software, and they all do that. Um, they do a great job at it. But then we we said, well, some of these customers some might not be ready for ERP or they have an ERP right now that they they may think that the ERP can't do what they wanted to do. But if they looked at their processes, looked at a lean program, sometimes it's not the ERP. It's just the way it's being used or the processes around it. So we brought in a team of in our center of excellence as a team of consultants that understands business process re-engineering, shop floor. Nope, you're still there. We can still hear you or see you. I am so sorry, guys. This never has happened, but my computer keeps going black. I have to sign back in every like 10 minutes. So I don't know. No worries. Try no worries. So, um, but do you want me to keep going or do you want to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. You're still good. All right. So yeah, we have a, that team of um, lean consultants, business process re-engineering. They also do change management. So you know, one example of this is we worked with a customer down in Maryland, um, Hamilton. They have three companies that different entities and make different products. But when we first worked with them, um, they were really wanted to get a new ERP, and they were struggling at the time with having to buy a new building or a new warehouse because they were running out of space in their shop floor of where to put inventory. So what we did is we actually recommended, let's not get ERP yet. Let's look at if we can put some, um, do some 5S work on the shop floor, get rid of some of the waste. Um, maybe there's some obsolete inventory that we can move out of there. We can just clean it up and have better processes for handling the inventory, um, moving around the, the machines in the shop floor. And um, they were able to actually not have to buy a new building, which saved them, you know, close to a million dollars. Um, and wow. they were able to, you know, actually in improve their on-time delivery, improve their lead time without even getting into an ERP. They were so happy with the experience that a year and a half later, they ended up buying an ERP from us. <laughs> and they're one of our top references because they've just loved what the team's been able to do um, with us. So. Mark, That's interesting. That answers all your, your question and Jordan. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, Mark. Didn't mean to cut you. Yeah, no, that that does that. That's that's really uh, that's yeah. that's insightful, right? That's a huge. The the business process part is is critical, right? You can't you can't like you know ERP is really automating 
business processes for you, right? It's the, it's the heart of often digital transformation and in automating bad processes yeah. just gives you bad processes faster or at larger scale. Uh, so, I mean, that's fundamentally, you've got to make, make sure that those processes are, are that, that you're looking at them critically. One of the things that I've seen a lot in this space is that organizations grow and they, they develop o- over time, often, you know, organically over sometimes, you know, dozens of years or decades, or they might be a startup and they grow very fast and rapidly. Uh, but regardless of, of, how they got there, they reached this point where they need, they need to digitally transform. They look at ERP as the next, the next big need critical, that transformation, but they, they're, they're bringing in processes that, that they often look at as being critically important that the way they do something is, is they have to do that going forward with the new system. And how do you work with, how do you work with clients to differentiate what you should keep, which business processes are, are say a competitive advantage and which ones really have evolved for, for outside of the norm of best practices, just because that's the direction the company went and there's not really any value in that. It, it seems like often they sort of hold on to those and it's really hard for them to give them up. Um, how, how do you work through that process with your, with your clients? Yeah. So the, the, the first stage in the whole implementation is looking at current state and then we'll draw out the value stream maps and say, Hey, here's how you bring value to your customers. Right. And then we'll look at that value stream map and we'll recommend, Hey, you know, what we've seen in your industry and your micro vertical. Um, some of these things that you're doing are certainly unique and they're providing you um, a competitive advantage, as you mentioned, Mark. Um, but some of these things you might want to consider automation or some of these things, you know, you could you could do much more efficiently. And here's how. So that's what we call the future state design. So you get the current mm-hmm. state, future state design. It's all based on those value value stream maps. And now sometimes that's just, you know, using lean principles or getting rid of waste or being more efficient. But sometimes, as you mentioned, it could be um, technology or, or best of breed product, right? So it could be something that the ERP platform can do um, to automate a workflow or, or process or do something like um, automatic AP through a match, right? Now I don't need a person to do that. And that person can focus on something more strategic, like, um, you know, doing a supplier chain, you know, improving your supply chain and making sure I have the right vendors or suppliers that are going to get us what we need. Um, sometimes it's working with a iPass tool like Soligo has um, that allows us to integrate with um, different products like IoT on the shop floor where they're tying the machines in the shop floor bi-directionally that data coming back into the ERP or a, a CRM product. So we'll look for those opportunities and the value and make sure that we're providing a competitive advantage, um, whether it's going to market competitive advantage or whether it's cutting down on internal cost. Um, and that's, that's really what we're trying to do during the implementation because we don't get references just by setting up a new ERP. If they can, if they can do the same thing they did before with different screens, they're not a reference, but if they get an actual business benefit, then they're a reference of ours. And that's what we really want as a reference. Makes sense. Makes sense. So uh, you mentioned IoT and that's always been a technology that's um, 
super fascinating to me. Uh, one, because it really does drive efficiency. Two, it's kind of like a future tech robot overlord lore, if you will, where you know, like everyone's being monitored and, and micromanaged, you know, usually it's machines, not people. So yeah. that's a good thing. Um, how have you seen uh, IoT change uh, the manufacturing field in the past 10, 15 years? And how does that relate to um, like the the need for uh, ERP um, software? So Jordan, now I'll, I'll refrain from answering that in my best Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think what we've seen over the last several years with I, I, IoT is that in the beginning it was really for the tier one Fortune 500, very large companies because mm -hmm. they're really the only ones that A, could afford it, B, had the time to look at the way they'd roll it out successfully and implement the project. Um, a digital transformation is any a project just like a, an ERP implementation could be. Um, and then the cost of the edge products, the cost of the software, seven, 10 years ago, too big for most of our customers, too expensive, too much work. Well, the last four or five years, we've seen the cost of those and the complexity of implementing those come down, to, you know, just like, you know, mainframe computers with the five and a quarter inch floppy drives we we're talking about before those costs came down and the room needed and the work came down. So we've actually seen quite a few customers. Is it a, is it all of them? No, it's probably 10% of our customers. We have about 1400 customers. I'd say seven to 10% are, are taking advantage of technologies like IOT. Um, and those, those, some of those are really experienced some incredible results. We've had one of our customers out of North Carolina, they, um, they, swear that their IOT project saves them $2 million a year cost and not having to buy new machines because wow. they increase their capacity wow. by having better OEE. So wow, that's, that's, that's really, that's really impressive. Uh, seven, yeah. seven, so $2 million a year and savings, but, but yeah. on the flip side, you're saying only seven to 10% of your clients are actually leveraging IOT. What's the right percentage? How many, what's what's the differentiator from you know how many of those companies you think really should be leveraging it and, and uh, yeah yeah it's it's a tough question to answer because sometimes if they have like a, an assembly shop and no machines they're not going to need iot right in, in many cases mm -hmm. they could have some similar technologies but they won't need iot um if they have all different types of machines and they don't have a bunch of the each type might not need it, but it's somebody that has like screw machines or repetitive manufacturing. I would say most of those companies, if not all of them should be looking at IOT. Um, so it really depends on the, the, the way you manufacture and the type of machines that you have, if IOT is right for you. So you might not get, we might not ever get to 50% of our base using IOT, but I think if we could get closer to 20%, that's probably the right number based on our the customers we have. So, yeah. so if I'm a, if I'm a technology leader mm -hmm. in, in, you know, somewhere in the mid market or SMB manufacturing company, though, what I just heard is I should be looking for rep repetitive process manufacturing with that's relying on, you know, very machine-based manufacturing that that would be an indicator where IOT could maybe help me. What, what would, what, what else would you look there? Is there a certain like volume threshold or anything like that, that you're, you're trying to identify what, what, what else to, to keep an eye out for? Yeah. So there could be other companies where they, they don't know why they have downtime. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
the machine goes down. I don't record why right at that exact moment in time. So mm-hmm. two shifts later, I'm asking why. Now, I don't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday. So how do I know <laughs> if it was a lot issue from the supplier? How do I know if it was something that you know, the machine had an issue? You know, you want to put those downtime reasons in right away. So IoT solutions can help with like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and then if you have enough machines where you're looking at um, an effective uptime in, in optimum efficiency of the machine running at full speed of I think the industry average was like 29% or 30%. If you have enough machines where increasing that optimum uptime from 30% to say 60 or 70% would get double your capacity um, and make it so you don't have to go buy a million dollar or half million dollar machine, and then you probably want to consider an IoT solution of some sort. Yeah. So. You, you guys should implement with uh, McDonald's ice cream machines because those things are broken all the time. <laughs> Um, so sorry, I was, I was like waiting to get that one out there. Um, so the other day I was, I was watching a video about a guy customizing a car and he has like a a metal press from the 1880s or something, this big multi-ton machine that's pushing and bending metal. I think, I mean, I'm a social media manager. I'm in no way a manufacturing expert, but when I think of manufacturing and I think a lot of people out there think about manufacturing, they think about guys banging metal or pulling down a drill press with one of those big old machines. And I'm curious what percent of manufacturers that you work with are using that older, reliable, it gets the job done, but it's probably not IOT ready versus how much of manufacturing nowadays is what you see, like, you know, a a Toyota factory where they have like robot arms coming down left and right, where they're, you know, tied into some computer system and and being monitored 24 seven. Where's the split? And is it moving towards the new modern era where IoT can be implemented or our business is still stuck, you know, using a, a press from the 1880s? Yeah, so I'd say 50% plus of our customers still have some kind of older technology in their company. Um, you know, I, I even go into some companies and they're still using bridge ports, right? So from way back in the day, but they also have the 20 ton press, 10 ton presses that, that you're talking about, Jordan. Um, but by and large, even those companies that still have that in their company, it's usually the minority of what's going on in a, in a manufacturing company now, nowadays. Um, manufacturing is not the big smokestacks anymore and the dirty shop floors, unless we do have customers that are running a foundry. It's hard to clean, make that very clean. Um, but even there, they're cleaner. But a lot of these companies you go into and you could, not to not to say that this you want to do this, but you can eat off their shop floor because it's so clean. Quality control is so nice. You know, a lot of times, you know, they're in aerospace and defense or they're in medical and their customers, our customers, customers are coming to visit the shop and they really expect to see a modern manufacturing company. So most of our customers have have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, you know, the shop floor MES or control system up on tablets in the shop floor. They've gotten rid of waste. They can, they can, you know, do everything they want right from the machine. Um, they have quality control systems that you, you put the part in there and it will actually tell you everything that's out of, do all the measurements for you without you having to type anything in. Um, so they're using newer technologies. Absolutely. Almost every customer is. So it's been a big change in the last 20 years since I've been in this industry to see that and it's, it's great. And 
I think for kids coming out of university and one of the things that's hard manufacturing right now is in almost any um, industry is finding skilled labor. And we're seeing that, you know, people coming out of university now and high school, they're starting to work in manufacturing more because it's attractive to do that now. And it's a, it's a cool job. Um, and it's really the heartbeat of our economy. So, yeah, we, we're definitely seeing that trend to towards new, newer technology. That's that's interesting. Your your mention of of uh, newer technology, Paul, makes me kind of think about like in in my head a little bit when I think of manufacturing and in especially you know mid market companies I manufacture. I think of a lot of like on prem systems typically. A lot of these you know um, you know where when they when they've adopted systems, they're often very heavy very heavily focused on you know traditional on-prem systems there, it's stuck in a closet, uh, in a server closet there. How has, you know, how are SaaS applications and their proliferation and that transformation to more, you know, cloud-based architectures, how is, how is that impacting manufacturing, especially in the, in the, in the smaller and mid-sized company space? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that we've seen, especially during COVID is that Back five, 10 years ago, there was the generalist IT person, right? They could do everything. They could write reports. They could fix the servers. They could, you know, help with a printer um, and they could write SQL scripts. Over time, there was a more of a specialist type thing going on. I, I do workflows. I do development. I, I do reporting. Um, but my, I might not be able to do, you know, you know, test the backups and restores and disaster recovery. So. Um, we've seen a lot of those generalist IT folks retire, especially during COVID, we saw that accelerate. So sure. we've seen SaaS become much more attractive um, in the last three, four years to manufacturers. Um, so one of the things that happens there is you don't have to worry about security. Um, manufacturing is one of the industries that gets hit with malware, especially small, medium businesses quite a bit. So yeah. one of the cloud and not having to worry about security not have to worry about all the disaster recovery, the, the server room, you get some new real estate, you don't need that server room to do more office or, or uh, shop floor space as well. So that's great. Um, but the other part of that is the, the technology platform that comes with SaaS so they can integrate and automate um, with third party tools, best of breed tools, um, and that extensibility, um, the no code, low code type environments that allow for, like you mentioned before, the unique, um, the, the your competitive advantage just like uber went from calling a taxi and now you can just do it on your phone <laughs> manufacturers can do similar things with the extensibility platforms out there so yep very interesting um how do you um with with that move to the cloud how do you see any changes or trends around integration? And, and of course, this is something that's the that's really topical for us at Silico. Is, is what are the integration trends that you're seeing and identifying within these you know mid market uh, manufacturing companies? Yeah, I mean, there's so many opportunities for when you look at those value streams we talked about to look for points where there could be automation um, and integration. So you know, one of the things that you have with a phone is that you have somebody, a college student or any of us nowadays, they're, they're in their phone They're They go into their car, they press the calendar button in CarPlay 
they click on the meeting they're going to, it gives them directions from a different app that's Google, and they didn't have to do anything else or know any other ways to do that or copy and paste anymore. That's just a very basic thing, but in manufacturing and with, you know, being able to be more efficient, you know, do you want to be in your ERP? And then you open up a contact in your ERP and you copy over that email address and you paste it in the teams or into email. Um, that's just another basic, basic one, but then you get into things like, all right, now I want to improve my go to market and I want to improve my sales revenue and I want to in integrate my, um, desk system, my CRM, have it bi-directional, see everything I want from one screen, put data in one place and it goes both ways or EDI, you know, EDI can be pretty expensive. You can use tools now for EDI, um, you know, like an iPass tool like Saligo um, and do EDI that way as well. Mm -hmm. um, so there's so many different opportunities for extensibility that it's just, it's another good example of that is we, we part of the company that does PO collaboration and AP through area matching. Um, and, you know, before you'd put a PO into the system and then every day for the next two weeks, you'd call the supplier, making sure they're going to be on time. Can they deliver? <laughs> now it's collaboration over a portal because you put the PO in, they automatically get an email, they click on the link, they go into the portal, they say when they're going to get it done, what the price is, is now, um, and any, any details they need to know. I'm going to be able to deliver this on time. It goes right back to the, the buyer at our, our customer, no phone calls. Now you're saving a lot, all that time. Um, so that's just an example of extensibility that happens now with today's platforms. That's uh, it's interesting. You mentioned EDI and I'm, I'm the social media manager here. So I deal with a lot of taking customer quotes and, and turning them into images to share online. And, uh, Chubby's is a shorts manufacturer, uh, a garment producer, if you will. Yeah. And the quote that they left us with is we are ex expecting to see at least a 55% growth in EDI enabled growth and a 50% increase in EDI customers. Um, and that was from their CFO. And just the fact that using integration and automation, iPass, whatever you want to call it, has such an effect is something that's uh, it's it's mind blowing to me. And, and again, I'm not on the technical side of things, so I don't always understand what's going on in the background. But just seeing that it has that much of an impact at, a, at a, a garment business or a manufacturing business or any time of type of enterprise is is really cool. And I think a lot of folks, um, you know, out there might not always see the um, the, the long term benefits of, of making some of these changes, whether it's ERP implementation or EDI um, updates or using iPass or integrating or automating data flows and things like that. And that just, um, it's a stark reminder to myself and hopefully to our listeners out there that, you know, technology nowadays, like, so yeah, sometimes printers suck. Print, you know, sometimes not all technology is great, um, but sometimes there's like really good technology that's well worth not only the price, but the implementation and the effort um, in terms of, you know, the amount of production in terms of how much money you can save and, yeah, it's it's just cool for me to to kind of learn and understand these things from technology leaders like you, Paul, and you, Mark, um, because I think there probably are a significant portion of listeners out there who might not be CEOs of manufacturing ERP software or might not be a vice president of strategy in an iPaaS company who's done 500 ERP implementations like you, Mark. And so for our listeners out there, this this whole conversation has been incredibly insightful. So I just 
um, we're not wrapping up or anything. I just wanted to say thank you for, for <laughs> I wrapped up early on our last podcast, so I know Mark's <laughs> laughing. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you for, for sharing your insights um, in such a, a way that's easy to understand for, uh, for the non-technical folks. So just, I just wanted to say like, so far, this has been a fantastic conversation and, and Paul, thanks for breaking it down that way. Um, sorry, I, I'm sure you had another question related to what Paul was talking about, Mark, but I just wanted to throw that out there and, and you know, mention that. No, I, all, all good, Jordan. Uh, good, a good, good summary there. And and that's, you know, I think that's one of the things is uh, trying to make uh, conversations around te technical topics and the, the, the interplay between technical topics and business and and it needs to be translated into terminology and and distilled down into concepts and ideas that a that a, that you know a business leader can take away because you know tech technology leadership is not just about it, it's not it's it's about the technology but it doesn't it's it's not really it has become business leadership it's the it's a combination of the two technology and business leadership at the same time and that's what i that's what i see that differentiates uh uh, just a CE, a CIO, for example, from a from a great CIO is that they 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 become a business leader in the organization, not just the the head technologist. One hundred percent. I want to harken back to something that you said, Paul. Uh, that's more for our, the younger listeners out there. But you mentioned that um, for high school students and college students who are looking for work, you said manufacturing is a cool job, and that's one fantastic because I think that a lot of people when they're in high school looking for jobs or when they're out of college looking for jobs, they feel a little bit lost. And I feel like a lot of people are swayed in one direction, whether that's technology or veterinary work or manufacturing. Um, why is manufacturing a cool job? Because it's not always been perceived that way. And, you know, working, like we said, with 20 ton presses and, you know, coming out looking like a coal miner um, yeah. is not glorious. And it doesn't seem to be that the, the, that's the case anymore. Um, and I'm curious, yeah, why is, why is manufacturing cool? I think the first thing that is cool about manufacturing is it's truly the heartbeat of, I think, any economy, especially the U.S. and Canadian economy, where we work with a lot of customers. It's, you know, without having products that are being produced, it's really hard to have a service economy, right? Because you got to produce parts first. So and it's the only, it's one of the only industries where you can move a manufacturing company into a, um, a impoverished or um, economic declining location um, and actually increase and improve everything economically in that, that um, area. So we love that. Um, it's really fun. Um, and then, so that's, that's what we love about manufacturing in general, but then you get to, you know, learn how things are made. We have companies that make the um, the cones that come out of the bottom of the space shuttle, and they're huge. And these CNC machines, which um, you you've probably seen on any shop floor, but the customer that does this, their CNC machine is forty yards long, and sixty yards tall. Almost, I'm not sixty yards tall, thirty yards tall, and then it has to be drilled into the bedrock and have irrigation because the groundwater comes up. And, and if you think of what they had to do to do that is it's all around problem solving, wow. being creative, thinking differently outside the box because nobody else had ever done that before. And you see that in manufacturing all the time in manufacturing folks mm -hmm. just solve problems. They get things done, never give up. 
Um, they're just great people. And, um, and then you add technology into that. I just think that it's a pretty cool job personally. <laughs> so, yeah. That is, that is a huge CNC machine. I think the biggest that I've ever seen, and I watch a lot of manufacturing content on online yeah. and on TV. And I think the biggest one I ever saw is maybe 10 feet long by eight feet wide or something like that. So that is yeah. like, a the the future of cnc that is that's really wild thank you that's a great answer don't quote me on those sides but check out major, <laughs> major tools website and you'll see they're out of indianapolis you'll see these machines they're unbelievable they're really cool yeah so, yeah that's awesome yeah. um i'm curious uh what is what's next for synergy resources um you guys have 1400 customers like you mentioned you're implementing erp left and right you're utilizing iot which is very future thinking for forward technology. Um, seems like you guys, things are going well, which great work as CEO. Um, what's next? Like what, what, what avenue do you want to go down? What, um, what vertical do you want to conquer? How do you want to grow and expand? Yes. Yeah, so thanks for asking that question. Um, so what we're looking at is this, is there's what's that movie robot or iRobot? It was a Pixar movie. Mm. The little robot says, see any, feel any. Right. So always thinking that way. So we want to always listen to our customers, hear what they're struggling with, be problem solving ourselves, just like our customers are and look at either best of breed solutions or new best practices by industry that we can always learn um, and then provide more value to our customers. So what we want to do is, you know, we have three different ERPs. We work with manufacturers and distributors. Uh, we have a lot of customers. Um, so we want to have the right product for them. We want to have the best solutions um, outside of that that we can integrate with that might solve some business problems. We also develop solutions in-house. We have a great engineering team. Um, and then we have just great consultants. It's all about our people. So it, as long as they, we're, all of us at, at Synergy are looking at what our customers are doing today, how can they do it better tomorrow? What is the technology we can bring to the table? What are the best practices that we can bring to the table? And, you know, how can we just be creative with our customers and innovate? So that's what we're looking to do. On the other side, every company has issues. So we, and issues are just opportunities for improvement, right? So we always are trying to improve. So we're always looking at how can we um, create projects that have shorter duration, right? So customers can get live sooner and take advantage of things sooner. How can we help with continuous improvement with our customers? Um, so we're always looking at that Amazon effect, two-day turnaround. We're always trying to get closer to that with everything we do. So that's what we're trying to do for our customers. And we just love working with manufacturers and, and distributors. So Steady, calculated improvement. That's the name yeah. of the game. That's that's exactly. good to hear. And, and the yeah. fact that you mentioned issues is Saligo has zero issues. We've, we're perfect. Um, there's nothing to do to improve. No, uh, <laughs> that's why we're talking with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a great answer. There we go. Um, I have uh, a, a typical question that I end these with. We've been going for about 45 minutes. Mark, I know I cut you off early last time. So before I uh, wrap things up in my typical manner, is there anything that you wanted to touch on? We have, uh, uh, you know, we, we could just keep going. Uh, you know, Paul, Paul's living and breathing this this ERP world, which I have spent, you know, spent a lot of time in and we still live in. We, we could we could fill a we could fill four hours of podcast here. But I think uh, <laughs> good, good time for a wrap up here. Fantastic. Well, that just means Paul will have to have you back as a guest in the future um, for three more hour long episodes uh, to fill those four hours. Um, 
So before we fully wrap things up, something that I'd like to do at the end of these podcasts, and Mark's heard me say this a million times, I'll say it a million and one. Um, people look at CEOs and leaders of tech companies, uh, manufacturing ERP companies, as kind of these super serious um, people who oh, they just live and breathe business, and that's about it. Uh, Paul, you and I were talking a little bit before the podcast about how you're going on a vacation uh, with your wife and some friends, and you're going to just put on t-shirt and jeans and go to a bar. And to me, I think that's what a lot of people need to hear is that, you know, you do normal things. You go out to restaurants, you play with your kids, you go to their uh, baseball game or whatever. Um, So in in an effort to make you um, as relatable and human as possible, if you will, uh, it looks like you got some baseball pictures behind you. Is that Babe Ruth holding a few bats? It looks like. It's Babe Ruth in a Boston Red Sox uniform. Yes. One of the only things for him in that. <laughs> that. That is very cool. So yeah. obviously it seems like uh, baseball or at least baseball history is a passion of yours. Outside of work, when you're not thinking about IoT and ERP and manufacturing, um, what do you do to have fun? What are you interested in? What uh, hobbies do you like to pursue? Yeah, so I am a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. Um, my goal come out of college was someday to uh, have enough money to you know, have a small house and raise my kids. Right. So never envision this. This is really just loving what I do. Um, and, uh, you know, based on and loving the people I work with and that's what, that's what happened here. So I always, when I was in sales, I used to tell our sales team CEOs, put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you do. So all they're trying to do is help the company. That's it. Right. So to answer your question, hobbies in the winter, I love skiing. Um, in the summer, there's nothing better than having a barbecue with my friends and a couple cornhole boards and having some fun. So uh, that's what we like to do. Yeah. That's awesome. I know Mark's a huge outdoor skier and outdoorsman, if you will. So yeah. I see him smiling at that. Um, yeah. I've not skied in a very long time, but I used to be able to do double black diamonds. So I at least got to get some street cred at the end of this interview. Um, <laughs> with that being said, uh, Paul, thank you so much for being a guest. Um, your work at Synergy Resources is is really uh, fascinating, forward thinking, and um, technologically involved. Mark, as always, thank you for being an excellent co-host. To all our listeners out there, watchers, um, what have you, thank you guys for sticking with us this long um, for episode five of the Technology Leadership Podcast. Um, signing off, I'm Jordan, uh, the host over here. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys for episode six very soon. Bye, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs>